Today is January 24th, 2016. The title of today's message is One Job. One Job. I don't know if you've ever... um, There are things that go on on the internet now and they're called memes. They're pictures and people put words over the pictures. And uh, one of my favorite types of memes is, say man, you had one job. Right? So I haven't even seen all these pictures, so we're going to just look at it together. Uh, Okay. 100% beef made with all white meat chicken. Say man, you had one job. (laughs) Like I said, I hadn't seen these either. Christmas decorations with the Star of David. Wait, wait, we're a little confused here, folks. Okay? Do we have another one? Trust me. And I'm, oh, <laughs> so, <laughs> so if you look all the way to the bottom of the College of Architecture and Planning, yeah, man, you got the word C is on the little brick part, not on the front logo. I don't know if you could see that. Trust me, I'm an architect. <laughs> Say, bro, you had one job. Fill in the guy's name. This is where his first name would go. This is where his last name would go. First name, last name. I don't think that's actually his name. <laughs> Pastor Matt did good. He, I just said surprise me and pick some. It says nonstick fry pan and the label that says nonstick is stuck. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> hot, dog, hot dog wrapper around some hamburger buns. I like it. Are there any more? Yeah. Oh, that's good. It's hard to see, but... Um, the rail is going in the opposite direction as the steps. Right, instead of going, it's kind of, I can see it on the back screen much better. Instead of going down the same way as the steps, it's literally doing the opposite, right? Say, man, you had one job? Okay, so you have a back to school end cap with butcher knives. <laughs> Time to go back to school, everybody. All right? Potato beard. Potato bread. (laughs) Okay, wait. Okay. So for all the nerds in the room, you caught that really, really quickly. For all of you non-nerds like me, I'll explain it. So Star Wars is at the top, and then the Star Trek Enterprise. That is not a Star Wars vehicle. They kind of mixed it up. I don't know if there's any more. Was that it? Oh, there's one more. (laughs) Say, man, you had one job. Everybody say, you had one job. (laughs) Isn't that funny? We went through a lot of those this morning. You find, you know, a sidewalk that ends into a, you know, with a tree or something or in a building. You're like... What are people thinking? You had had one job. We're going to talk about the one job that God gave us to do. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. One job, man. Come on. Please don't ever confuse simplicity and clarity. A really effective when I used to be a principal and I would really work with my teachers because I wanted them to be able to add clarity to a subject. Some people were like, oh, I kind of teach in a simple way. You might teach in a simple way, but if you can make it clear, I'd much rather have a clear presentation of something than have something super intelligent and you've actually made it more convoluted. You've made it more difficult to understand. 
What we're trying to do today is understand we're going to take the gospel in all its complexity and we're going to say, hey guys, we really have a focus that we can grab onto. We really do have something that the scripture has given us starting in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and we're going to start in verse 16. Tell me there when you are there. there. Figured most of you were. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. We regard no one. The simplicity of this statement, the clarity of this statement is we're supposed to do exactly what it says. We regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we regard, once regarded Christ in this way. Can you remember a time when you didn't really understand who Christ was? Maybe you were in total darkness. Maybe you were just a child and you were coming up in the house of God, but you really didn't understand who He was, who He is. We do so no longer. Verse 17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, everyone say, in Christ. Christ. He is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. I love the fact that we are a new creation. I am not what I was. Please, um, at this church, we we want to encourage you in a few things in a very simplistic, very clear kind of way. The idea that you can go around and say, well, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. That may have defined me at some point in my life, that I was a sinner and I have been saved by grace. That is not that it's that's not a true statement. But what we want you to understand is that you are a new creation. In Christ, old things have passed away. That's not even who I am anymore. I'm not going to define myself based on who I was. I'm going to start defining myself based on who I am in Christ. The old has gone. Everybody say, the old has gone. If you are in Christ, the old is gone. The sin, the history, the bad name, whatever it is, those things are gone. Everybody say, it's gone. gone. I want to encourage you with that today. If you are in Christ, the old things are gone, the new has come. All this is from God, verse 18, who reconciled us to Himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Isn't that great? This is what our God does. He takes those who need reconciliation, He works it out for us, and then allows us to have the ministry of reconciliation. Those who are far off from Him have been brought close. So what does He tell us to do? Go bring others close. Why? Because you should understand what it's like to be far off. That, was, that God was reconciling the world to Himself in Christ. Listen to this next phrase. Not counting men's sins against them. You know why He wasn't counting it? Because Jesus Christ had a sufficient sacrifice for the entire world. It's not as if He was ignoring it and just saying, oh, the sin doesn't matter. He's saying, no, no, no. The sin matters, but it's been paid for. It's been taken care of. And He has committed to us the message of reconciliation. In verse 18, he says he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. The word there is the same word for service. Ministry. To pastor. To serve people. Not only has he given us the ministry, but he's committed to us the message of reconciliation. He's given us something to do, but he's also given us something to say. He's given us actions, the ministry, and he's given us the very words. You know what the word there for the... um, For the message of reconciliation, the word there is logos of reconciliation. He gave us the message, the message of reconciliation. 
We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. Everybody say Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making His appeal through us. Who is He making His appeal through? Christ. We are Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making His appeal, not even through Christ on the cross. He's saying the whole design is that God is going to make His appeal through us. We are the ones who make His appeal. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made Him who, made, who had no sin to be sin for us so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. Now let's take a look. Let's go back up to verse 18. All this is from God who reconciled us to Himself. Let's take a look at that next slide. And it says, we're looking at the word reconciliation here. It's number 2644. To be reconciled. 2644 in the Strongs in the New Testament. I, I will try to say that word, katalaso, right? It's Greek. I'm clearly not. The word, <laughs> the word is translated, it can be the same things as atoned, redeemed, propitiation. Now, if you've grown up in the church, you might know what those words mean. If you did not grow up in the church, those are really churchy sounding things, right? Uh, he's atoned for us. I'll, I'll always... Used to, I heard a pastor, I remember as a child, I was eight or nine the first time I think I heard it, and it was a pastor that said atonement is being at one meant. He just divided the words, he just looked at the spelling and said at one meant, atonement. We were atoned for, we were made at one with God, right? We were redeemed, so there was some purchase, there was something that needed to be redeemed and bought back. Was it Hosea and Gomer? His own wife, he had to go buy his own wife back from prostitution. Mm. Wow, what a story. Actually, every time I think about that story, it literally brings tears to my eyes. It, it, is, it is such a beautiful story of Hosea's love for his wife, Gomer. What a terrible name, right? Dear Gomer. It's hard to sound affectionate with that, but that was the name, right? Hosea and Gomer. Atoned for. He's redeemed. The propitiation. In other words, it's a substitutionary sacrifice. Propitiation means you deserve death. Matt Piro, you deserve death. And you know what? Instead of you going to that place, I'm going to offer myself in place of you. That's the fancy Bible word for propitiation. We understand it very clearly because it's exactly what Christ does. Right? The way I, I put it was this. I changed. Those are great words. We should learn those. We should know those. I put it from this. To be reconciled is to be changed from an enemy to a friend. To be changed from one who is far off to one who is close. <laughs> the God is the subject of the reconciliation. And man is the object of it. God gave us the very ministry of reconciliation. He gave it to us. This is exactly what He wanted. That God was reconciling the world to Himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And He has committed to us the message of reconciliation. Verse 20 is where I want to focus on the next slide. Verse 20 says, We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. Christ's ambassadors. This phrase was kind of messing with me all week long. We're Christ's ambassadors. I was thinking about ambassadors to different countries. I was thinking about how do you even get chosen to be an ambassador? 
What do you do when you're an ambassador? Right? Here's, let's start off with what the Scripture says. Um, presbyterial. Uh, by the way, this is the same root word that we get, presbytery. We get leadership in the church. Next, the next part of it. Uh, this specific word means aged, like a fine wine, right? Aged, mature, an elder, or an ambassador, right? The next part. Other words that are related to it are this. Why am I doing this? Because we want to know and understand if we're Christ's ambassadors, we have to understand what it is exactly that we're supposed to be. We're emissaries. <laughs> the word apostle shows up when you look through these definitions. You're an elder in, in the church kind of sense of the word. There's a leadership. There's a mantle of authority upon this person. Messenger. And even the word angel comes out when you're looking at the definition. All these are related words to ambassador. So what does an ambassador do? The simple version of an ambassador is this. That an ambassador represents someone else, right? If the United States sends an ambassador to Indonesia, we're going to send Brent Vincent as an ambassador to Indonesia and his family. Amen? Amen. If he was being sent out from the United States of America, when Brent steps on foreign soil, he is carrying with him the authority the words and the actions of the entire government of the United States. If he says it, it is as if our government has said it. If he writes it down and says, yes, we will commit to this, I commit to you $500,000. You know what he just did? He just signed the U.S. government up for whatever he just did. He is an ambassador. Brent, do you mind? Can you come on up here for a second? And actually, we're going to be praying over this over the next few services and things, but Brandon and his family are going to Indonesia. (laughs) I'm so proud to have a brother who is going as a true ambassador of Christ. If Brent was going, there are two ends of the spectrum that I want to cover with you today. If Brent was going and he was an arrogant man, which he is not, if he was arrogant and just started spouting off at at the mouth, as an ambassador, that creates problems, doesn't it? There is a higher authority who will have to correct him and say, say, man, we didn't just commit to $500,000 like you said. There's, there's actually no budget for that. We're saying no. You did that of your own volition. You did not understand the terms of the people who were sending you. But also, what if Brent was just... Not, this isn't Brent either. Well, I guess... I guess I can't do anything. See, I mean, I don't want to... Does he represent the government well? He doesn't represent the government well on either end of the spectrum, does he? If he's arrogant and self-seeking, he's a terrible example. No political comments inserted here. Right? If he is weak, mealy-mouthed, timid, insecure, he does nothing to advance the pursuits of the government. Thank you. Right? I want us to understand that on either end of the spectrum, we have to walk in an authority that Jesus Christ has given us. We have to move in a way that says, I speak the words of the King of all creation. I will do what the King of all creation told me to do, and I walk in an authority. I can walk in an authority. Are you walking in an authority 
Are you walking as a good ambassador for Christ? Everywhere you go, when you go to the grocery store, are you an ambassador? Some jobs that you have, you have a dress code, right? I've got the Mr. Rogers dress code going on this morning. Because it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood, right? Right? You have, you have, it should be commensurate with the type of job that you have. If you're in a business sector, you start dressing up more. You have business attire. You know why? Because they're not interested in seeing what kind of, um, you know, windsuit that you got the other day. They're not trying to see how cool your jeans are. They're trying to say, we want to look past all that and understand that you're coming with authority. There was a time in our country where you would wear ties. You had power ties. Right? The design spoke of your authority. Do you understand that even world leaders, when they get together, you'll see them and they're in suits and they're in certain dress. Why? Because they're trying to speak to the authority that is theirs. We're not as much worried about an outer garment as we are you guys and us and me walking in the authority that Jesus Christ has given. You do no one any good to not walk in the true authority that God has given you. If you're focused on your insecurities all the time, you're not being an ambassador. You're being an ambassador, but you're not being the kind of ambassador that God is seeking after. If you're just trying to do this on your own and say, hey, look at this authority, I'm just going to go, um, old phrase here, willy-nilly, I'm just going to do whatever I desire, there'll be, there'll be an accounting that you have to come for that. There's an authority, there are words, there are actions when we are an ambassador. We have to operate properly in each of these. Let's turn to Genesis chapter 32. Genesis 32. What kind of ambassador are you being? Can you tell a testimony in your daily life and people go, whoa. Can you tell people about your daily life and it make them stop and think? We should be able to. When we're speaking with someone, can we let them know just what God is doing in our life and it move them? We should. Is that not true? Anywhere I go, if, I, if I'm at a gas station, you know what I should be able to do? I represent Christ. I'm not arrogant. I know what I am without Him. I get it. I understand why people try to say, hey, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. I understand I'm not making fun of that. I'm just saying I'm an ambassador of Christ. He has reconciled me and given me the ministry and the message of reconciliation. Therefore, I am an ambassador of Christ. You are an ambassador of Christ. What kind of ambassador are you being? Just like what we teach here for our marriages. Husbands, you are the head of your home. The question is, is whether you're going to be good, a good head or a good leader or not. That's the question. Not if you are. The question today isn't, at the end of this, is not going to be, if you want to be an ambassador for Christ, come down to the front. That's already done. There's no way around that. So what kind of ambassador are you being? Everywhere in your life. Everywhere. With everything that you do. You know what happens when you're an ambassador? You don't get a day off. You don't get to go to the store and be like, oh, I don't want to be an ambassador right now. You're the ambassador. Everywhere I walk, that ground now becomes property of the one that I serve. I serve in an embassy which says I'm in a foreign land 
And I have the same authority as back in my homeland. I am not yet, I have not yet fully engaged the kingdom yet. But you know what I do? This is an embassy. So here, where I am, I can stand and use the same level of authority that I can in the kingdom. You can. We can. Genesis chapter 32. Take a look at verse 1. Jacob also went on his way, and the angels of God met him. Wow. When Jacob saw them, he said, this is the camp of God. So he named that place Mahanaim. Jacob sent messengers ahead of him to his brother Esau. Jacob sent ambassadors ahead of him to his brother Esau in the land of Seir, the country of Edom. He instructed them, this is what you are to say to my master Esau. Your servant Jacob says, I have been staying with Laban and have remained there till now. I have cattle and donkey, sheep and goats, men servants and maid servants. Now I'm sending this message to my Lord that I might find favor in your eyes. Everybody say favor. As an ambassador, we can go on behalf of others and we can bring favor. Hey, um, can you make that call for me? I, I've got to kind of connect with somebody and I don't know them. Uh, Mandy, you know this person really well. Could you call them and just tell them I'm on calling? If you're a salesperson, you probably do that all the time, right? You're trying to get borrowed credibility from somebody. Hey, I don't know them. Can you go speak on my behalf? When I do that to Manny, I'm calling her up and saying, would you go be my ambassador? When you fill out a recommendation for somebody. As a principal, I cannot tell you how many recommendations that I had to do. Right? And sometimes I'd be like, I don't think you want me to do this recommendation. <laughs> I think you might want to find somebody else. I'd just tell them. Right? You're trying to say, hey, Mr. Sutherland, would you go and be an ambassador for me? Would you let your name be representative of me, right? Joshua chapter 6. Joshua chapter 6. Look at verse 15. We're looking at examples of what ambassadors did or how they were treated or where they went. Joshua chapter 6, verse 15. says this, On the seventh day, they got up at daybreak and marched around the city seven times. Everybody say seven times. times. In the same manner. Except that on that day, they circled the city seven times. Everybody say seven times. times. (laughs) The seventh time around, when the priest shouted the trumpet blast, Joshua commanded the people, Shout, for the Lord has given you the city. The city and all that are in it are to be devoted to the Lord. Only Rahab the prostitute and all who are with her in her house <clears throat> excuse me, shall be spared because she hid the spies we sent. Not only are we to be ambassadors for Christ, but we are to pay attention how we treat other ambassadors. Rahab recognized even though she was on an opposite side of the line, she realized that there were ambassadors from God's people. In this case, we call them spies or emissaries, right? They were there and Rahab treated them properly because she understood that they were ambassadors of something greater than themselves. And it saved her and actually put her in the lineage of Jesus, right? 
Amen. Turn to 2 Samuel chapter 10. We were actually hanging out last night and we, we actually talked about this story. It's what brought it to mind. 2 Samuel chapter 10. Verse 1. It says, In the course of time, the king of the Ammonites died, and his son Hanan succeeded him as kin. King. <laughs> I can get Hanan, but I can't say king. Sorry. Got all nervous about saying the name and couldn't say the actual word, right? David thought, I will show kindness to Hanan, son of Nahash just as his father showed kindness to me. So David sent a delegation of ambassadors to express his sympathy to Hanan concerning his father. When David's men came to the land of the Ammonites, the Ammonite nobles, their elders, their leaders, said to Hanan their lord, do you think David is honoring your father by sending men to to you to express sympathy? Um, Actually, that's exactly what he was doing. Hasn't David sent them to explore the city and spy it out and overthrow it? So Hanan sees David's men, these ambassadors, (laughs) shaved off half of each man's beard. (gasps) May it never be. be. Oh my. In our bearded church, what a great atrocity. Shaved off half of each man's beard. And, and then, cut off their garments in the middle at, at, the, at the buttocks. It says it in Scripture. And then sent them away. Two pretty egregious signs of disrespect. When David was told about this, he sent the messengers to meet the men, for they were greatly humiliated. Well, of course they were. The king said, stay at Jericho till your beards have grown and then come back. He wasn't worried about the clothes. I'm just saying. Says nothing about the clothes. It's clearly, no. (laughs) So Rahab, you see a harlot that treats the ambassadors well. And she is honored by literally becoming part of the lineage of the king of kings. You see these men who went by a natural set of wisdom and disrespected the emissaries of the king, of King David. Do you know what King David did? If we kept reading through this, he brought his entire army against them. Did you hear what they did? They didn't kill anyone. I mean, come on, man. They, they, just, they didn't kill anybody. They, they shaved half of a beard. Why did they shave half? Because they wanted them to know that this wasn't an intentional thing. They, they cut off their clothes. They embarrassed them, man. That's all they did. David brought the full force of his kingdom against the Ammonites. He loaded up Joab. He loaded up Abishai and said, let's get them, boys. And they went out with some of David's 30 fighting men who can do things like fight in a field until their, a man's hand freezes to the sword and go down in a pit on a snowy day and kill a lion, and kill 800 men with a spear, these are the boys that saddled up. He brought them all and said, it's all about the beard, right? No. He said, you've disrespected me 
when you've disrespected my, my ambassador. Don't you worry about feeling disrespected. Don't you worry about it when someone comes in and insults you and, and tries to take away half of your dignity. Let me encourage you. Don't you worry about it. The king will unleash everything he has to take care of that. He will go ahead and lock it and load it and roll on out. He will hold them accountable when you as an ambassador are disgraced. But you know what we're not to do as the ambassador? You know what David did not tell those men to do? Come on, boys. Pick up a sword. He said, tell you what, you guys go ahead and stay. Let's let everything get back the way that it should. Let's go ahead and allow your dignity to return to you. I don't need your help. I'll take care of you. We have got to remember that when we're out in places and somebody, you feel like someone is trying to come against you. You feel like someone is trying to disgrace the very work of the Lord in you. They're trying to discount the fact. How many times have we as believers done everything in our power to help somebody? You've given your last dime. You've given your last piece of bread. You've given all of your heart and all of your energy and they turn to you and go, and they start counting everything against you. You have done everything you know how to do in a pure heart. And they go, you know what? I'm going to find fault. As a matter of fact, I've made a list. I've made a list of the faults that you have. Remember when you did that? Yeah, I remember that we helped you when you needed it. Yeah, that's so disgraceful. You were trying to embarrass me. I was trying to keep you from getting out in the cold somewhere. Yeah, well, that's, that's disrespectful. Say, bro, that wasn't disrespectful when you thought about it. When it happened to you, you were gracious. And now you're going to look back and count it as waste and count it as disrespect when you and I both know that you're sitting here and it was only, it was only done in love? Don't you worry about it. Actually, our prayer should be, Hey, Lord, would you have mercy on them? Because if not, I know how you handle it. You're going to saddle them up. And I'm not going to pray that God's just... I don't want to pray that on people. Lord, may your mercy find them, but I know that you are a righteous God, and if, you, if they don't find it, if they don't receive it, then, Lord, the only thing that's left is the judgment that comes. May you have mercy, because I am an ambassador. <clears throat> My wife and I had lunch with a former student of mine. I was in education for 14 years. One, probably one of the smartest kids I ever taught. She was uh, an all-state clarinet player, graduated valedictorian, kind of kid who gets like 34, 35 on an ACT. Like, just ridiculous, right? Smarter than I'll ever be, by far. We had a chance to have lunch with her yesterday. She's now 30, almost 30 years old. She's now married. You know what I realized in that moment? That the same ambassador-like qualities that I had to this kid at 15, at 17, at 18, she allowed me and my wife to speak into her as she was coming through high school. She became a part of our praise team and couldn't play any of these instruments. She learned how to do tech for us just so she could be around us longer. I can't tell you how many Bible verses we read together and how many Bible stories we talked about and how many band trips that we went on and and she became one of my drum majors. She was the only female drum major that I think that I had. And when we talked with her yesterday, you know what I realized that was very weighty? <laughs> she still thinks my words, she still, in her life, my words still have the same weight. And I went, 
Whoa. I didn't go, <laughs> yeah, you're right. That was good stuff. <laughs> I was like, whoa, Lord, what do I do with that? She lives in Virginia. Ha- oh. Because I'm an ambassador for you, if I'm speaking your words, it matters to her. Lord, how can we cultivate that even though she lives 1,200 miles away? It, it, it put a, a joy in my heart to see her and a burden in my soul to go, I'm an ambassador. How do I deal with that well? I can't ignore that. I can't, I can't let that go. It should weigh on you. It should, you should feel something as an ambassador. I carry a weight. I carry a responsibility that when I speak, I am supposed to be speaking His words. And you know what? Sometimes it's a difficult thing. Sometimes you have to bring correction. I've seen great men of God who are counted and people think they are nothing but a lion and the boldest of men. And the truth is, is if you talk to them before they go into a sermon, before they go into a lion's den, they're like, pray for me. Pray for me because I'm not sure that I'm going to be able to do what I feel like God is saying to do. It's heavy. And then they go in there and they slay it. They're like a lion uncaged. And you're like, and they get done. And there's a price to pay because that's not even us. It's not even us that's doing it. It's like, Lord, this is you. Are you pleased with me? Did I do it right? Did I say the words that you told me to say? Did I walk in all of the authority? Did I totally expend myself doing exactly what you wanted? Lord, I hope so. I hope that people repent and are, and are saved. But even if they're judged, Lord, I'm just your ambassador. I'm not allowed to say my words. I'm not allowed allowed to come up with my own. Judges chapter 6. I hope this is making sense to you. Judges chapter (coughs) 6. Thank you, Rico. Verse 11. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak and Oprah that belonged to Joash the Abazarite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. We've talked about the story of Gideon before. I believe that was one of the first sermons I ever came and spoke here at LCMF. At that time, we were in Pastor Eric's garage, and maybe it was 2004 right after the church had just started. He had just enclosed the garage and put 50 seats in there because that's what he felt like the Lord was telling him. He's like, Lord, we can all sit on my couch right now. (laughs) Uh, Lord told it to him. He enclosed it. I think the P. Rose were shortly thereafter heading this way. I was trying to remember the timeline the other day. I couldn't remember it. The angel of the Lord came and sat down. Verse 12, when the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. (laughs) You know what the word for angel right here is? It's the same word for ambassador. An ambassador is supposed to speak. Speak things that maybe other people can't see. Gideon is hiding in a wine press to thresh wheat. 
Problem with that is, is the wine press is designed to press wine. But it was hidden enough that he could thresh wheat without um, fear of it getting stolen. He was trying to hide it just so he could keep it. And the angel addresses him as what? Hey, mighty warrior. You who are sitting, hidden, scared, mighty warrior. Why? Because God intended great deliverance. Sometimes as ambassadors, we have to look and understand that when God calls us to speak to something, we're supposed to speak to what it's supposed to be, not only what we see in the natural. Come on, man of God. I don't know if I feel like a man of God. That's right. That's why I'm going to call you a man of God. That's what we do as ministers. We look at people and we don't just see what they are. I look at each of you and find such precious things. Find such things that my wife and I, we drive around and we talk and we pray for you. You know why? Because we think about you all day long. I'm going, oh, amen. We've been praying so much for the Vincents. We're so excited for them as they get ready to go on a trip, uh, about a week-long trip to Indonesia. I can't tell you how happy I am for you, Brent. I mean, I literally think about you and pray for you like 20 times a day. All the time. I'm so happy for Nolan and Tara. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. This is going to be a powerful couple in the Lord. Frank, I'm so glad you're here with your family. I don't don't even know your family yet very well. I'm so glad you guys are here. I think about y'all 10 to 15 times a day. Just think for you. Think about you. Pray for you. Don't know much yet, but I'm going to go, hey, I'm glad you're here. And everyone, I could literally do this across the room. Aisha, I think about you all the time. (laughs) My wife and I pray for you as well. Sorry, didn't mean to embarrass you. That was not the goal. I literally could do this with every one of you. Why? Because I'm an ambassador. I'm an ambassador for Christ. This is what we do. This is not something special. This is not something, I guess it's special, but it shouldn't be particularly unique. Our conversation with with that former student was, hey, here's what's going on in our life. As a matter of fact, um, she even donated some money for our kids' mission trip coming up. I haven't seen her in 10 years. But she was moved by what God is doing in our life. She's not even firmly planted in a good church. And she's going, this is what I've been talking about. This is what I've been wanting. We're ambassadors. We bring deliverance. We bring encouragement. We bring protection. We bring favor. You know why? Because these are all the things found in the one that we represent. Proverbs chapter 13. Proverbs 13. Like I said, I hope I didn't embarrass anybody by calling out your name. It was from a pure heart, so I hope I have not offended you in any way. Not for that anyway. Proverbs 13, verse 17. says this, A wicked messenger falls into trouble, but a trustworthy envoy brings healing. Come on now. Yeah. 
Where's your gold, frankincense, and myrrh that you're going to bring before the king? What kind of an envoy are you in? <laughs> what kind of group are you in? You're going to roll up and bring healing? Yep, that's what we do. Nehemiah chapter 6. Nehemiah chapter 6. Way to go, Julia. Nehemiah 6 and verse... Let's start in verse 1 so we get the full thought. When word came to Sanballat, Tobiah, Geshem, the Arab, and the rest of our enemies that I had rebuilt the wall and not a gap was left in it. Everybody say, not a gap. The story of Nehemiah is the rebuilding of the wall around Jerusalem. It had fallen into disrepair and in 52 days, what had laid barren and wasteful for years was rebuilt in 52 days. When the Lord starts setting something in your heart, when the Lord starts doing something, you might think it's dead, you might think it's gone, you might think it's beyond hope, and in 52 days, He can rejuvenate that thing. Those dreams that you had, those thoughts that you've had about what God is supposed to do with you, what you thought He said, but now you're not sure because it feels like that's just so far from happening, in 52 days or less, He can make it all come to fruition like that. You know what you keep doing? You keep being an ambassador. You keep walking in His authority. You keep walking in his, using His words and using His actions that He tells you to do. You keep doing it, doing it, and don't worry about what it looks like. How terrible for an ambassador to be sent somewhere and decide that it looks like it's too hard so they just don't do what they were told. I mean, it doesn't matter anyway, right? I mean, there's no hope for it. You, that's not your place to do. That is not your place. There's something really neat when, you get, uh, when your children get to the age where you're like, I told you to go do this. Well, I mean, I couldn't find it. I couldn't fit. No, no, no. I appreciate it. I don't want to hear another word until it's all I want to hear is, Dad, it's done. Right? For those of you who, who are leaders in your business, isn't it great when you have employees that you can just, so, just say, go do this, and it comes back and it's done? It should be every employee, but it's not. <laughs> I had no idea when I became a principal that teachers were just like the kids that they taught. Like, man, I like that kid. Never does his work. Same thing with the teachers. Like, you know why there's a principal? Because the teachers won't always do what they're supposed to do. Like, um, all right, Miss Johnson, you're late again. You're the one that's going to send those four kids to me today because they forgot to turn in their homework and you're going to think it's, world, you know, should, I should drop an atomic bomb on these kids because they failed to turn in their project. Okay, so if I'm going to hold your kids accountable, why are you late again? Right? <laughs> Less, we've, got to, we've got to do what God says that we're supposed to do without fail. I understand that at times that can get tiring, can't it? Is that real or not? When you're trying to go and you're like, Lord, I want to launch forward in what you're doing and it feels like you're going away from the target? Feels like you're not even on target? Feel like you can't even remember where the target was supposed to be? I felt that way. 
I felt that way many times in my life. God, did you forget? You must have forgot. Like, you must have got busy, and I was on hold, and you forgot that I was on hold, and you went off and did something else, I'm still on hold. He didn't forget. You don't worry about that. You do what he told you to do, and if, he's, if you're waiting on him to tell you something new, amen. Make sure you did what he said before. I was in one of those seasons in my life and I was struggling like, God, I feel like you said this. I feel like a crazy person. Because I told, I told people I thought you said this to me. <laughs> right? Really? Are we really worried about God's word? No. I look like a fool. Can you fix this? <laughs> you know, with some of us, that's a lot more difficult than with some of you guys. And an image came to me. It was the image of an archer standing there and was pulling back the bow. How are you going to have enough power to launch to where you're going? But Lord, I'm going away from the target. I know. But Lord, I may, I may never get to the target. I know that's what you feel. Hey, but, but, but Lord, what if I fail? I know that's how you feel. Just stop. But Lord, I've been going in this direction for a really long time and it doesn't feel like it's what I'm supposed to do. I thought I was supposed to do things for you. I thought I was supposed to be something for you. I've failed. No, you haven't. You just wait. Because what happens, (laughs) it feels like it's never going to happen until it does. What are you waiting on that you feel like there's been... Your hope has been crushed. Maybe it's just God saying, would you just trust me? Well, Lord, why are you pulling me back so far and you didn't pull Ibrahim back as far? Because he's shooting at a different target. You don't worry about that. Maybe he's a crossbow. We're going to send him out and, and he's going to evangelize. Some, we're just... Boom! <laughs> Me, I'm one of those old, ancient, like... Thunk! <laughs> <laughs> you know? Build some 13th century trebuchet. Or I was like, what is going on? I don't even understand all that. Rob does, because he's a lot smarter than I am. Hey, can you not worry about how far God is pulling you back? You stay steady. What happens if the arrow, in this analogy jumps out of the chute here. Says, uh, nope, this is not, I'm an arrow. You know what I'm supposed to do? I'm supposed to fly. So I'm going to just jump out of this plan. I'm going to pull the ripcord. I'm going to bail out. I'm not going to do what I'm supposed to do. You know why? Because I forgot that I'm an ambassador. And I'm going to forgot that if I, as long as I'm in his hands at all, that it's okay. It's okay. Wherever I am, it's okay. As long as I'm doing what he wants me to do. As long as I'm saying what he wants me to say, it doesn't matter. Lord, if you want me in this if you want me in this stupid sling for the rest of my life, if you never launch me, it's okay, because I'm your ambassador. But when he does get us back to just the right spot, and you can let that thing go, how quickly do you get to your destination? 
how quickly can you get there? It doesn't matter how long the backstroke was because the front stroke here, the forward momentum is so incredible, you're there and almost a blink of an eye. God, you know, I remember a year ago. How did that year get away from me? Because you were going forward in, in, his, in his purpose for you. Clearly, God is trying to speak this to somebody here today. This had so nothing to do with where I was planning on going. I just want to encourage you. I want to encourage you. Be his ambassador. Just trust in him. But I'm ready. Great, you may be ready. What if the place you're supposed to go isn't ready yet? What if you're not nearly as ready as you think and the one who loves you will keep you from totally self-destructing? I'm ready! Margaret Thatcher, leader of Great Britain, I heard her say, I think in the 90s, if you have to tell someone that you're a lady, you're not. If you have to tell God you're ready... Verse 2. <laughs> Sanballat and Geshem sent me this message. Come, let us meet together in one of the villages on the plain of Ono. Everybody say, oh no. I've been on that plain many times. Oh no. I don't want to be there. Oh no. I think that's right next to Sucketh, I think. Just trying to give you a geography lesson. <laughs> the land. It's biblical. It's okay. But they were scheming to harm me. Verse 3. So I sent messengers to them with this reply. I'm carrying on a great project and cannot go down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and go down to you? Four times they sent me the same message. And each time I gave them the same answer. You know what's great as an ambassador? Is it can help bring focus. Hey, you know what we're doing here as a church? It's too important for us to stop and do something silly. It's too important for us to get distracted from other things, from other people, from other... Can, can we all pay attention a little bit more to the focus that God is putting on your life? If He's speaking something to you, can I encourage you that every good thing is not something you're supposed to be putting your hand to? Every good thing. Anything that's good out there, you're going to go do that? You know what you're going to be? You're going to be worn out and you're going to accomplish very little for the kingdom. I, I, at best, I'm a mid-level helper when it comes to carpentry. If Mr. Charlie was there, I would just say, yes, sir, just tell me what you want me to do, right? If we're going to build something, if I start putting in nails and only put them about an eighth of an inch deep in, the, in a, in a two-by-four, well, that's nice. It ain't holding nothing. How about I take time and take one and drive it all the way in so it'll hold? And then I can do another one and drive it all the way in so it'll hold. Can I encourage you? Sometimes we're a little bit ADD in our Christian walk. Whoa, this is cool! Ah! Calm down. How about you get with something that the Lord told you and you stick with it and you drive it and you see it all the way through? And then if He tells you to do something else, then you get on that. And you know what you do there? You stick with it until it's drive, driven all the way through. You know what happens then? What do you have? You're adding strength to your life. You're adding actual purpose and you go, I may not have done a lot, 
But those two things, whoo, those two things were done right. <laughs> may not have done a lot, but my marriage, my marriage is strong. I may not be able to do a lot of things. I surely can't impress you. But I got kids who love the Lord. Amen. Hey, I may not be able to do, I don't have a ton in the bank, but you know what I can do? I got a group of people here at this church who actually love the Lord, and I'm going to spend my time with them. Yeah. I'm not interested in showing the world what I can do. I'm, sh- I'm interested in standing my station, being the ambassador that God has called me to be, and doing exactly what he's called me to do. Let's turn to Jeremiah chapter 1. Jeremiah chapter 1. If you haven't noticed, we've gone law, prophets, writings. Or law, writings, prophets, actually what we did. Jeremiah chapter 1. Jeremiah 1 and starting in verse 4. Jeremiah 1, 4 says this, The word of the Lord came to me saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Verse 6, Ah, sovereign Lord, I said, I do not know how to speak. I am only a child. What happens when an ambassador doesn't operate with the confidence of the one who has sent him? Jeremiah saying, huh? I don't know if I have what it takes. I can't speak. I'm, uh, I'm just a child. What is the Lord's response to him in verse 7? But the Lord said to me, Do not say I am only a child. Do not tell me where your weaknesses are. Do not tell me what you lack. Do not give me an excuse of why you can't do what I just told you to do. As parents, isn't that what we fight our kids for? Isn't that what we get on them about? Just take responsibility for it. But, see, it wasn't me. It was really them. I mean, I, really did. I, mean, I did it, but it was really... Don't tell me that. I do not even care. I'll deal with them in a minute. I want to know what you did. I was disobedient. Great. Now let's start there. Quit telling the Lord what you can't do. Quit telling Him where you're limited. A, you don't think He knows that already? Oh, oh, you can't speak. I guess I called the wrong guy. My bad. I guess I called the wrong guy before he was born. Mm, I don't think that mattered. The Lord said to me, Do not say I'm only a child. You must go to everyone I send you and say whatever I command you. Bam. There it is. We don't get to pick that. Brent, you and I don't get to pick that. (laughs) Brother David, we don't get to pick that. We just go where he says to go. Right? Wasn't that our last song in worship? We're going to say what you tell us to say. That is really the simplicity of what we have here. Acts chapter 4, and we'll wrap it up. Acts chapter 4. Start in verse 8. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, If we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a cripple and are asked how he was healed, then know this. Don't you love it when somebody asks you a question and it's almost like a, like T-ball? Remember T-ball? They just put, come on, kids, we put the ball right here. 
right? Don't you love it when somebody asks you a question and it's like they set it up on a tee for you? Oh, I love that. Ooh, makes me happy. This is exactly what they're mad at, at, at Peter. If you want to know why we did this, how these, he got healed, verse 10, then know this. Everybody say, then know this. You and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. What they were intending to indict him with, because Peter stands and says, I'm an ambassador. You read throughout the book of Acts, you see how many times Paul is brought before someone, some great king, and in about two seconds, the king's the one that's on trial, not Paul. You put Paul on a boat that's about to to get um, capsized because of a storm is about to get destroyed. He's a prisoner on the ship. You know who ends up being in charge of that ship in about five minutes? Paul. He tells the head guard, he goes, here's what you ought to do. All right, here's what we're going to do. Tell nobody to leave or they're going to die. All right, nobody leave the ship. Yeah, it's Paul. He's an ambassador. Never feel inferior regardless of the situation that you're in. If God's with you, you wait for it. He'll give you a tee ball and you can just hit it. Home run. Every time. Verse 11. He is the stone you build is rejected, which has become the capstone. Salvation is found in no one else. If you have not memorized this verse, you should. Salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to men by which they must be saved. Look at this next verse. When they saw the courage of Peter and John, and they realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men. Amen for unschooled and ordinary. But you went to school. Yep. I can't tell you how many times people have asked me as a pastor, Oh, where did you go to seminary? Oh, 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 Pastor Eric, where did you go to seminary? I did. We've been serious students of the Bible, just like many of you in here. Unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. You want to know the college we went to? It's the I'm hanging out with Jesus college. <laughs> oh, some of y'all have been there too. We're alumni. <laughs> Got our fight song. You know, that we'll, we'll do the fight song here in a minute. Um, and it goes on through, and you see that... Let's, let's skip down to verse 27. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in the city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Isn't that great? Isn't isn't that a unique prayer? It's Peter and John. They've already been in trouble. Why are they even praying this? Because, Lord, we need you to... They're giving us threats that they can actually carry out. They can actually do what they're saying. They can throw us in prison. Lord, would you give us the boldness that we don't pull back? That we don't shy? Not even just a little bit? Stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. Come on. That's a, that's a meeting that I want to be a part of. 
And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the Word of God boldly. Amen? Let's turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 12. I'm sorry, before we do that, let's turn to Matthew chapter 23. Matthew chapter 23 and verse 23. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You know what hit me this morning while I was reading this? You guys tithe even on the spices that you pull in. Can you imagine that? You go to the store and you get your little spice thing and you pour out a tenth and you bring that. I mean, this is how meticulous that these leaders were. But they were ignoring the more foundational things of justice, mercy, and faithfulness. I had never put this passage with Micah 6, 8 before. What does it say? What, O man, does the Lord require of you but to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God? You've got to act justly. We've got to do what the Lord says us to do tells us to do. Because when you do that, you know what you do? You start wanting to love mercy. Lord, I can be a hammer if you want me to, but man, I I really do love it when someone will repent so that you can show your mercy on them. I love that. I love that. So that I can walk humbly with my God. My friend from yesterday, the fact that our words were so weighty, it makes me want to walk humbly before the Lord. Lord, I represent you. Am I representing you well? Am I giving your words or have I decided to just go off of a pattern that I have in my own mind? Am I just quoting scriptures because they're the scriptures that I quote? Or am I actually hearing from your very presence and saying something that is a word aptly spoken? It's like apples of gold in settings of silver. Huh. Lord, I want to walk humbly before you because this is a big deal. What an honor. What an honor to be an ambassador for you. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, and then we'll close. Ecclesiastes chapter 12. Verse 13 says this. Now all has been heard. Everybody say all. All All has been heard. Here is the conclusion of the matter. So Ecclesiastes, written by the wisest man ever to live, Solomon. Been talking for many chapters here. Here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep His commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. I've been in an interesting place where I could both hire and fire people before in my life. I would tell my employees this. If you do what I put on the job description for you to do, it's real tough to get fired. If you're doing what I asked you to do, you might add a bunch of other things on there because you're a go-getter. Listen to me. Do what I told you to do. 
Anything else that adds, well, let's just see how that adds. But if you're doing all the other stuff and you actually haven't done what I hired you for, I'm probably not going to keep you. This is the whole duty of man. Here is your job description. Fear God and keep his commandments. Man, you got one job. You got one job. Because it's really fearing the Lord, right? We really keep him as the... We're going to seek him first. You know why? Because if we fear him, it's going to make us want to do what we're supposed to do. If we're his ambassadors... If He has reconciled us and now has given us the ministry of reconciliation, you know what it does? It causes a fear in me that says, I want to please you. I'm going to do what you say to do. That's my one job. I'm going to be your ambassador. I'm going to do this thing right. Would you stand to your feet?